Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. Walk it out, and today we are talking about motherhood. Oh, motherhood. We always have these wonderful ideas of what type of mothers we're going to be. And then life happens, and then kids happen, and all these personalities. I remember looking at one of my children and saying, I love you, but where in this in the world did this personality come from? Yes, the challenges of motherhood. Well, I'll be talking about motherhood today with my guest, Rachel Marie Martin, and she is the blogger over at FindingJoy.net. And here's a little bit more about her. Rachel Marie Martin, having pulled herself up from poverty to be being named one of Inc. Magazine's top 40 entrepreneurs, has been writing Finding Joy full-time for several years and writing online for over a decade. Her top blog post, Why Being a Mom is Enough, has surpassed 1.9 million shares. I think maybe that post might resonate with a few people. Um, And also her articles have been translated into over 25 languages. But really, when I talk to Rachel, it's just real. Two moms with large families sharing about the ups and downs of life. And I know, Mom, that you will be encouraged by today's interview with Rachel. Well, I am so excited to introduce someone amazing to walk it out today. And we're going to be talking about motherhood. And this awesome book that I'm holding in my hand is The Brave Art of Motherhood, Fight Fear, Gain Confidence, and Find Yourself Again. And my guest is Rachel Marie Martin. So welcome, Rachel, to my podcast. Well, I am so excited to be here. So thank you very, very much for inviting me to chat with you. I I always look forward to times to chat. So it's great. I know that's what people are like, how can you fit in a podcast? And I'm like, listen, I get a break from my kids. They are somewhat quiet in the moment and I get to talk with a friend like this is so fun. So it's a wonderful break in my day. That is so good. It's like totally that it's almost the next book idea for you right there. Need a mom break? Try Start a podcast. <laughs> there you go. You have to you have to put one out every week. So there you go. Well, um, I just love the title of your book. So just tell us a little bit about where the title came from and why this is the book that you wanted to write. Okay. Well, I love the title too, which is good because you never know when you choose the title, will you still love the title? But the more and more we farther along, I've grown to just love it. And I'm drawn to two things. One is bravery and especially in motherhood, because I believe that often we look at bravery as giant big things. And my heart posture, which I've been writing about for the last 10 years is there's so much bravery in motherhood that goes missed, or we just dismiss it as, ah, I was just a mom. And there's this beautiful bravery that we have in the everyday, in even the moments where we decide to get up when our alarm goes off, because if we don't, nobody else is gonna. And so we're the ones that decide, okay, I'm gonna lace up my boots right now and get going and moving. And in the scheme of life, it's this 
bravery. And then the idea of art is if you've ever been to one of those painting classes where everyone, someone's in the front and we're all going to paint a nature scene and we're all painting the same thing, but everybody's painting is so different. And everybody's painting has moments where it's, we're like, look at this. We love it. And parts that are just a mess. And we're all painting. We're all wanting to be the best moms we can be. We're all in this journey together. And just because we're in the same journey doesn't mean, mean it doesn't mean that our our art, our paintings, our stories look the same. And that's the beauty of it because art is messy. I mean, there's a there's a a give and take to it. There's sometimes when you don't even know what's gonna what what it's progressing to. And there's this beautiful hindsight that I learned from my grandmother when she was in her 80s about she had the ability to look back and go, wow, I really the story was beautiful. And my grandmother had ups and downs. She had a child that died and she went through some really difficult things. But when she could step back and see her story, that art, that picture, it was something that she was so proud of. So I loved the idea of putting bravery and art and motherhood together. I love that. And um, you mentioned your grandmother and my grandma lives with me. She's 89 years old now. So we have a grandma in the house. And, you know, it's so funny because to me, it's chaos. Like, you know, I mentioned before we started recording, we have 10 kids, three are out of the house and seven we've adopted are here. And grandma will just be sitting in her room as she hears the dogs and the kids. And I'll walk in to check on her. And she says, these are the best years of your life. And I'm like, uh, my floor hasn't been swept and mopped in like three days and it's just muddy and messy and there's dishes everywhere. And I'm like thinking this is the best days, but I just love how we have wisdom. Um, I love what you're saying that, you know, it's sometimes we miss the daily stuff, um, just the beauty in it. But also we don't realize like looking back that there is this beautiful art that we're creating that we kind of get caught up in the negative. And I didn't get this done today or my child is not doing well in reading or math or all those things. So talk about really um, just your message to women and moms in that. Well, that is my heart message. And I, I believe it's just from being a mom for 22 years that the more you do something, the more you kind of get that perspective to take the breath to kind of just go, okay, it's all right. Because there's this beauty that we do every day. We tend to see the to-do list of things that aren't done and forget to see all that we've done. And I just want to say, especially to moms with little kids, like there's this pressure and expectation to have everything together in a way that I've never seen it before. Even when my oldest was young, I didn't have the internet. I had Family Fun Magazine with a checkerboard cake that I still messed up, but I didn't have Pinterest saying, well, look, you could do it all these different ways. And I just want to say, take a breath because what really matters in that moment is maybe you didn't provide and make the greatest, most healthiest most elaborate dinner, but you got dinner on the table. And there's something about that that really matters that in our busy, we've we've almost lost like that the little bit, the showing up, the being there, the helping with math, even if they're not getting it, the sitting there, even if you get frustrated or for myself, I have to look at how to learn to divide again because there's some new math stuff going on out there. Like... <laughs> That it's okay. That's okay. We were never meant to be perfect. We're just meant to be, to walk alongside our children and to be the one that they look to, to be the one that shows up. And it looks different, like I said in the beginning, for all of our stories. And at the end of the day, 
our kids, they're not looking for perfection. They're just looking for their mom. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the best things you mentioned being a mom for 22 years, I think one of the best things for me parenting the younger ones, my ones um, at home are 18 to down to eight. Um, but having three adult kids, realizing like they turned out okay. Yes. <laughs> there were the times I messed up and I didn't do things right and I disappointed them and we didn't eat as healthy as I thought maybe we should have, like all the things. And I'm like, they they love God. <laughs> They're good kids. They love hanging out with us. Like, it's just realizing that even though you mess up, like it can be okay. Correct. Your kids are about the similar similar ages as mine. My youngest guy is nine, and my one that's home is seventeen. And the oldest two are gone, and that is it. Like, my oldest daughter graduated from college this year, and I had this moment where I was like huh, how'd she do that? I wasn't around. Like she just did it. Like, and it was that releasing, that letting go that we almost fear when they're little, they're growing up so fast, they're growing there. And the letting go I've learned is pretty much all of motherhood. It's a journey of letting go, letting go like, okay, you don't have to hold my hand when we cross the street anymore. Okay. You can drive the car without me in it anymore. Okay. I'm going to leave you 2000 miles from my house while you go to school. And it's, it's okay. And then there's that moment where I, I sat back and I thought, huh, she actually graduated down there. And it was so cool. And I think about all the time I would stress out over things that probably didn't matter in the end that I thought in that moment were, were, were kind of deal breakers. Like I am the worst mom ever right now. And she still loves me. So it worked out. Yeah, I love that so much. Now, I know so many times, like when we're thinking about like how our motherhood's going to look look like, we never think about just the hard stuff in life. That, you know, I mean, we're thinking about okay, we're going to decorate our nursery this way or choose these kind of baby foods. And as they grow older, there's different choices. But then life is just hard sometimes, and there's maybe choices from others that we don't want. So, I mean, how? Has your life been differently than what you planned your motherhood been differently? But how have the fighting the fear and negating confidence, how has that carried you through? Life is very different than what I planned. Uh, I have a quote that went crazy that I didn't expect to, but I guess it speaks to life. And it was about sometimes you need to let go of the story you thought you were going to live and find joy in the journey that your story you're living. And so I'm as I'm a mom of seven, but I've been a single mom. I've been divorced now for the last almost six years. And that was never in my my plan that I had for my life. It was never something I thought, you know what, this is what I want for my story. And I sometimes joke that I always signed up for a Hallmark life. I wanted that, but I ended up with Bravo TV. Like that's my life. That is it. And but God really humbled me. He taught me that you don't have to have the life that looks this way to have a life of importance and value. And I can redeem your story in the now and where you are. But you need to be willing to you know, move forward and deal with situations in your past and know that I love you where you are. And as far as mothering, I'm, I, I went from homeschooling, staying at home, all the time to becoming the sole breadwinner for my kids. And that meant traveling and it meant speaking and it meant doing hard things. And one day I thought back to my grandpa who was a farmer in Minnesota and 
when he was alive and when I was a little girl, we used to go to his farm in during the harvest time. And I never saw my grandpa. I, I, he would come in and out in the middle of the night for food, but I never doubted his love for me because he was out harvesting in those moments. He wasn't busy doing other things. He wasn't talking about going to Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. It was harvest time. And I've been taught in the last six years that even in motherhood, there are seasons where you have to harvest. And it might mean saying no to some things that are extra and working extra hard, or it might mean frozen pizzas when all you thought you were ever going to do was organic food. I mean, it might, it's just like putting everything on the table at that moment. And in the end, like I found with my daughter, Hannah, my oldest, what the kids, what matters is that showing up, that consistency, that being there for them. And that story, it might never look like what we have planned, but it can still be exceptionally beautiful. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, we think, oh, I don't want my kids seeing the struggle or why can't life be easy? You know, we, I mentioned earlier, adopting kids from foster care and um, we most recently brought in a sibling group of four girls um, that were preteen and teen. And there would be like big times of anger and big times of conflict. And, you know, our, our little kids that we had adopted previously, but they hadn't experienced that kind of anger and lashing out. And I'm thinking, what are we doing? Like, this is not what I wanted. You know, is it okay that I brought in these difficult times and uh, these challenges? But over and over again, as I you know had to learn to calm them down and learn to come together, it brought in my need for God even more. You know, we started doing daily devotions and prayer time and scripture just because like we all needed it. Like we all needed God's word and we needed to draw close to him and we needed to learn about you know, God's spirit that brings peace and joy and love. And if the conflict wasn't there, I mean, I probably would have just continued on our merry little way, like reading a sweet little devotional (laughs) once in a while. Um, But because the conflict was there, you just have to dig in and you have to like really dig into God and, and try hard things. And I think that's, you know, part of the bravery is realizing this is really hard right now, but you know, God is with me and he's with my kids and together, like we can go through this and it changes us. So I would just love to hear like, how has it changed you in the process? There's been a lot of change. I remember there's a there's a painting by Rembrandt. Um, I believe it's him, where it's like the storm in the Sea of Galilee, and all the disciples are on the boat somewhere. and uh, And I heard this minister preach probably ten years ago about this this painting, and he asked, "Where are you in the boat?" And there were some disciples that were up on the on the rigging, trying to fix the ma- trying to fix the sails, and some running around, and a couple puking over the side. And there was two or three at the back of the boat, and one of them, and I believe it was John, had his supposed to be him, had his hand on the rudder, and was just staring at Jesus in the midst of the storm. And it was such a powerful image of me to think, like, where am I? Because a lot of times I'm trying to be fixing things, or I'm over the side you know, scared out of my mind. And the idea was that he wasn't not doing anything. He still had his hand on the rudder, but he was keeping his eyes on Jesus the whole time. So as my life progressed and I went through all these things, I remember giving this talk to my church and saying, I want to be like Jesus. I want to walk to the back of the, I want to be like like Paul, um, John and sit in the back of the boat. And I want to walk to the back of the boat. And I joke that 
I was a little bit arrogant and I tripped over a bunch of ropes in the back on the way there and I fell flat on my face. And that was the season where it was really hard, where I had to come face to face with all sorts of beliefs about self and identity and God's love. And it was very, very painful to to deal with a life that was nothing what I wanted it to be or what I thought it would be. And in those days, my journey, and I finally understood the words I grew up with. I had grown up in a Christian home, in Christian day school, Christian everything. I finally understood what it meant to just pray, be like an infant. And all I could pray for a long time was just Jesus, 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 because I couldn't even come up with words because I was so broken. And I remember in that moment thinking about the, just the power, the simple power of praying his name. So I, I lived for about a good year, a year and a half, where that was the only prayer. I, I had the strength to pray at that moment, but I knew he knew what I needed. Yeah. And I, I love that and how it's often when we come to the end of ourselves, when we find a new path, like God has something different for us than maybe we ever planned. So what was the path, you know, once you you talking about the point of just being your lowest, what was the path that God had prepared for you? Uh, I believe it's to talk about how we as moms can lose our identity in the midst of motherhood. Uh, and we don't talk about it very often. We talk about being a good mom, keeping up with things. We we praise this effort and we have this space that I discovered that we can lose ourselves in the midst of motherhood. And it's not, um, it's something we need to talk about. We need to talk about this, this place where we go through this disconnect where we can say, I'm a great mom, but I'm not even happy. And even to admit I'm not happy is it's a challenge for a lot of people because then we go back to thinking, well, maybe I'm not a good mom. We just constantly bring it back to ourselves. And I kept thinking about that we're given all these talents and the Lord wants us to use the talents and he doesn't want us to bury them. And for myself, I threw myself into my life and I, but I wasn't using part of my talents. I was kind of allowing that oxygen analogy. I wasn't fueling that part of my life. And I really believe that when we, take care of ourselves. And when we acknowledge the desires and the dreams that the Lord has given us in our own hearts, whether it's doing a podcast um, or whether it's writing, running, being doing something at church, whatever it is, when we can fill those places that he has gifted and, and poured into his, you know, poured talents into us, we can find ourselves being in some ways a mom that gives back to our kids. We teach our children then it's okay to take care of you. Like I, I will never forget one of my kids' appointments. Like I put them on the calendar, dentist, doctor, I show up for them all the time. Well, child visit, dentist. But it's really easy for me to forget to put mine on or to, oh, you know, I need to cancel it. I need to come in again. And I really think it's this breath to slow down and say, you need to take care of yourself. Because if we don't, we're teaching the next generation that it's okay to not take care of ourselves. So that is a big passion of mine is that kind of like, it is good to sit with your friends once a week or, and just talk and be together because I don't believe we were designed to be alone. I don't really think we're supposed to live this motherhood journey in, you know, drive home, open the garage, shut the garage door and never talk with anybody. So it's all community. 
Yeah. And I just, I love the part when you talk about like, we're teaching our kids, like how to treat themselves. Like if we're just going to put ourselves to the back burner and our God given talents and stuff. I mean, we don't, we tell our kids, like, we want you to do wonderful things and follow God and, you know, follow his gifts in your life. And then we just don't do it ourselves. And I love um, in chapter 12, you have um, look back and rediscover you, which I was so excited to see this because And when I speak often at conferences and stuff, I talk about writing, whether fiction or nonfiction. I tell them, you know, to make a timeline of their life and write the highs and lows. And um, and for me, it was, you know, being raised by a single mom. I faced two crisis pregnancies as a teen. And, you know, all these things are my highs and my lows. But then it's like, what emotions are there and what stories can I tell and how can that impact other people? And I just love how you talk about look back and rediscover you in your life and, and figure out like what is your in your timeline and what gifts do you have to reach out other pe- to other people can you explain a little bit more about that i would love to i i that's so fun that you like that point cuz i love this part and i tell the story in the book about when i graduated from high school and i don't know if it's just a minnesota thing or if this is a normal thing but my mom would clean out the garage and put pictures up along the garage wall and it was like a timeline. It started off when I was a little girl and you move around and you'd end up to me at high school graduation with my very big 1990s hair. And it was just this progression. And it was so cool because I can remember standing in there and everybody telling their own stories, looking at this timeline, because it was 18 years of life that everybody got to see and they saw where they fit in. And I realized that we don't really self-reflect. We don't when do we do that again? Like, I don't, I'm not inviting you over. Hey, I'm going to go put a timeline in my garage for the last 20 years of my <laughs> life. Like, here's what I did. But there's insight. There's a great deal of insight when we can look at our timeline objectively. Because I think sometimes we look at it with a little bit of, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to remember. I don't want to learn. I, or we're just busy. But our timeline teaches us a lot, especially if you've been stuck or people, if you ever find yourself saying, well, nothing ever changes. It's always the same. Well, chances are, I really believe that there's these kind of cycles that we loop in on our timeline. We keep doing the same thing over and over. And then we're like, why isn't it changing? Well, in when we can look at our timeline and look at places that are challenging or places that are great when something happened, I always say, what happened right before it and what happened right after? Because that gives insight into kind of our, our way of thinking. It gives insight into the kind of what we've established as normal or places where we excuse ourselves from changing our lives. And I, I did my, when I wrote the book, I made a giant timeline and I just put everything on there. I put things like, because I, I lived in a really dismal financial situation for a long time, I would put on there like, the gas man came at the door to turn off our gas, which was traumatic, unbelievably traumatic for me. I'm holding little kids and have all this stuff. But then I put on the timeline, I think like two days later or a week later, something about writing an ebook. And I thought there has to be a part of me in that moment that unearthed bravery to not sink into despair about dealing with the gas man. There was something into me and I realized if I could figure out what I tapped into in that moment, could I apply it to other moments in my life? So go ahead and explain, like, how can you mind that? Because I think this is so important for other people when they figure out, okay, 
something changed here, but how can we continue to, to dig into that and to make those changes in our lives? Well, I believe that we're, we're supposed to be introspective. Uh, we don't, again, it's another space. I don't know if we talk about very often, but in Romans, it's be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And to renew your mind means to be introspective. It means to like, think about what you're thinking about. And so for me with the timeline and with this practice, it was identifying in there agreements that I would made about myself. And we all make agreements about, about life. And I give examples of them, like a hypothetical agreement would be a good mom always stays home or something. Well, if you live by that agreement and something happens or you need to, in my case, I needed to work or do something, but I don't, I'm not flexible in it. Then there's, you kind of come up with excuses to stay within it. You stay within your own parameters. So I was really good back to the time when the gas man came thinking that wasn't my responsibility because for myself in those days, that was when I was married and I threw myself into motherhood and homeschooling and everything else. And I kept thinking if I'm good enough, the financial part will be taken care of. And it was impressed on me on that one of the moments when that happened that this was my, I needed to fix it. I could no longer allow my identity as wife and homemaker to stop me from being taken care of somebody at my door that's going to turn off the power. So it was a very difficult place. It was a place for me coming from deciding I'm not going to be a victim to whatever happens to me. And that's a hard place to realize that I was kind of, I, I could rationalize reasons like that this would happen and all of that. But it was really in some ways to me, God saying, no, you need, I've equipped you with everything you need. You need to stop this because you need, again, it's my children. It was me holding my kids there when they came and I needed to, it was, this can't happen because you need to teach them about responsibility and, and finances and all of that. So long story short, our timeline, that was a hard point that I ended up using and changing, but you can also look at places where great things have happened. How did, how did that happen? How did I build up to that? What can you learn from your own life experiences. So it takes a little bit of drawing it out. And it's not to me, it wasn't a one minute process. It was a rather, you know, it took a while, I keep it going. And I think that we actually should go back and do this yearly or something, just kind of look back at our year and go, okay, what did work? What didn't work and hold ourselves accountable for our own choices throughout the year. Yeah. And then what I love um, and I think it's like what happened next is all of a sudden you're like, okay, like you talk about starting the ebook and then growing things from there. You started writing out goals. Um, is that how it worked from that point on and then stepping towards those? And then you talk also about, I um, you know, just changing your frame of thinking of how you're going to think about things. It really was a lot of goals. And I think maybe you've seen the graphic where it says point A to point B, what people think it will be like a straight line and yeah. point A to point B is like all over the place. So I real uh, that's the power of goals or this visualization. I gave an example earlier in the book about Joseph, but it's really this, I knew what the goal was. I knew that this was where we needed to get as a family and what we needed to do. And I maybe didn't know all the steps from point A to point B, but I knew how to get there. And I knew, I mean, I knew that I needed to get there. And I knew that 
if I sat still and did nothing, the distance between point A and point B would get bigger. But if I decided to move the distance every, if I did something every day, it would get smaller and smaller and smaller. Maybe there's some days where I barely move, but it would still shorten it. And so it became, I I really started even thinking of Eleanor Roosevelt's um, do one thing every day that scares you. I just decided, you know what, what is the scariest thing on my list right now? And when my finances were bad, a lot of times it was calling creditors. I, I did not like calling them. They made me feel badly. It was traumatic. It was difficult. But I knew I had to call and deal with it. And what's funny about it is it was always on the list. It's not like ignoring it, never put it off the list. But I discovered that when I did it first, when I was rightly ordered and prioritized, the rest of my day was great versus having this like angst of, oh, I have to call them. And the kids being like, why are you so cranky? And I'm like, because I knew it was there. So it was really rightly or ordering the priorities, making the goals in order, getting the tough stuff done, uh, and being willing to some days have things that maybe it was one thing done and some other days where it was 10 and the great days I would circle on my calendar in red and I would write awesome day because I knew that a day in the future would come up that would be really hard and I would think that I was I was not making it, it was overwhelming and I needed to look back. It was like a timeline. I needed to look back and say, you know what, you had an awesome day and another one's coming again. Yeah. And I love how you do that. So you talk about the looking back because you said when the tough days come. Okay. So I want to, I want to stop there because it seems like moms, so many times we can get stuck on the tough days. Like our minds almost get stuck in the loop. Like I'm not cut up and my laundry is not done and my kids are misbehaving and you know, there's bills that need to be paid. It seems like, don't you think we get stuck on that mental loop? But I remember one day after we had adopted all these kids and our house was full of noise and chaos and the laundry just never ends. And I remember like being really grumpy and just feeling like God's voice saying, I still love you, even if the laundry never gets caught up. And I'm like, oh my goodness. (laughs) Like it just kind of freed me realizing that we don't have to stay stuck in that mental loop. And so I would love just to hear you talk about those emotions. And I think it's tackling the emotions that all moms have and that we kind of get stuck in the mud about. We do. So first of all, about laundry, I never put laundry on my to-do list. I have decided not to because if I check it off, someone's going to throw something in the laundry. So laundry is breathing. You just do it ebb and flow. Some days you're running and you're out of breath. And some days you're like, yeah, I got to be like, there's less. So laundry is seriously my nemesis as well. Um, and I, I love a mom when I come over and they've got the laundry basket in the living room. I'm like, you are so real. This is awesome because we all have it. But uh, emotions, uh, the first thing I, I, I learned in counseling classes and reading lots of books and, and all of this is that we're not our emotion. We're, we're experiencing an emotion. I tell my kids all the time when they say, I'm failing. I said, no, you're feeling like you're failing. I'm so angry. No, you're feeling like you're angry. And the step second, we can step back and separate our core identity, our who we were created to be from an emotion that we're experiencing. We give ourselves a little bit of breath, like the emotion of overwhelm teaches us that it's basically something needs to change in our life. And, and when we're overwhelmed, that's pretty much what it is. There's too much stuff going on and we can't solve anything when we're in the emotion. So 
the first thing I always say is it's okay to feel. A lot of times we don't give ourselves even the grace to feel sadness or to feel whatever it is. Uh, we weren't created without feelings and feelings give us insight. So it's okay to feel it, but we don't need to stay stuck in it. So with regards to emotion, I'm always thinking about how can we take whatever we're feeling and how can we reframe it? How can we do something so that instead of thinking I'm failing, reframing it in our brain, in our mind so that, you know, I can do this right now. Maybe it's not perfect or I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm capable of it. And that, that's a very powerful way to deal with some of that motherhood stuff because it, it is overwhelming. There is a lot of times like, I mean, it doesn't matter, homeschool, private school, public school, when those kids are learning stuff, it's nuts. I thought at first, like, because I, like, you know, I homeschooled for 12 years, and then now it's been the five years or six years my kids have gone to school. And it's just as crazy in a different way. It's crazy with emails and apps, like every teacher has an app now. And like we were joking in the beginning, me having to relearn division and all of that. So it's just this different ebb and flow. And at the end of the day, I do my best. And that's what I think we all do. We do our best. And some days our best is is awesome. And some days our best is we made it through the day. And our track record for it is 100%. That's what I always remind moms of. Like even on your worst day, your track record for getting through was 100%. (laughs) I love that. And I love also when you talk about emotions, like it's okay to acknowledge them. But I think I think sometimes we, you know, we mentioned getting stuck in them. And one of the things I learned taking my kids to trauma therapy is when the emotional triggers are happening in your brain, the thinking brain turns off, like you can't really problem solve or process things. And I think sometimes when we get stuck in those emotional things, um, we can't come up with processing skills and trying to figure out what's going to happen. I think um, I love how you talk about, you know, just do the next thing or do the hard thing or do the big thing. Um, And when we get done with that, we're like, look at us. We're doing awesome today. I think that is so, so great. It's so true, though. It's so funny because one time I, I took the kids to the dentist and I put a post up, like got them all through the dentist high five and every mom got it. Like, we made it. We did it. We did all the dentist, even though we have to go back for all the cavities. It's like, we did it. Like We were there. And I think that that's, as moms, intrinsically, we all understand that. We all have those moments where we're thinking, this was a huge deal today. And sometimes it might be the huge deal of sitting there with a third grader who's struggling with something they're writing. And I, no one warned me before I had my kids how frustrating that could be. And it is so frustrating because we're dealing with another human being. That's the part I always need to step back and realize this is another person with their own emotions, with their own struggles, with their own world that they're navigating. And they don't have the wisdom that we do that knows that things are finite. And Sometimes for me, that's just that moment where I just sit at the table and I've, I've got some good apps on my phone, words with friends, different things while I just wait for them to calm down. Because if I try to make them, don't be so upset, it's easy. It's just going to perpetuate. I just need to let them deal with it for a little bit. All right, this is not fun right now. We're just going to deal. Right. 
Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, my new book that just came out is called um, Calming Angry Kids. And that's one of the things I talk about. Just give them their space. Give them their time. Like, we don't have to solve that in this moment. Um, And I think so many times we just want to push and try to solve it. And it doesn't work with our kids or their emotions. No, bless those little ones. That's so true. It does not work. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we, we only have a couple minutes left, but I want to, I want to talk about the celebration part of it. Um, because, you know, I love, you talk about fighting, fight fear, gain confidence and find yourself again. And I would just love to hear like some of the wonderful things that all us moms can celebrate with you on, on the things that you've learned once you've gained confidence and found yourself, especially with, um, findingjoy.net and all the things that are happening now. The celebration, I I had a moment where in my life, I thought I kind of gave up on things. I told myself I would never be able to travel again. I would never, what all these different things. And I kind of just started to dismiss them as life got hard. And it was impressed on me probably 10 years ago that you can either live with joy or you can live with bitterness. And I think he was after a church service. And it was like God said, you have to choose. You can't like kind of walk the fence here and some days be bitter and some days be joyful. You need to choose. And that's where this finding joy part came in my life was I need to decide despite the circumstances to find something that was awesome and wonderful today, or just a small thing, whether it's the way the perfect, perfect uh, caramel macchiato from Starbucks or something like that. I just needed to train my brain. And I I had written this bucket list for myself years and years before, and I was probably 20 years old. And one of the coolest things that there's been several things that have been really cool that have happened. Um, and one of them was about getting, letting my kids see the ocean. And for years, I would have told you, I have no idea how that's going to happen. When you have the gas man coming at your door and you live in Minnesota, you are far away from the ocean. <laughs> yeah. So last year, last spring, I we, I moved to Nashville and during spring break, I drove my kids to the ocean. We drove down to Gulf Shores and it was the most unbelievably beautiful experience because it was like, I never, he never forgot about those desires. He never forgot about that part of it. He, he didn't say it's going to be easy to get there. And when I was there experiencing them see the ocean and them being free, and I remember being like, I don't care, go ahead and get wet in your clothes. It was just a moment of celebration, a moment that all the times where I decided, you know what, I'm going to get up five minutes earlier today, or I'm going to put myself out there, or I'm going to share the hard things, um, that it all added up. And I think we need to remember that every single thing we do, every, I call it inches in the book, every inch uh, that we move forward, it adds up, going back to that A to B. And sometimes we don't think we're ever going to get to the place where we're going to get to see the celebration. But when we do, my call for us as women is when our friends get to a place where they're celebrating, I want us to be down there celebrating with them no longer up there. Who do they think they are? Any of that. We need to be in that and just on fire for them because that's what, that's what friendship is. It's not that competition. It's being in the trenches with them and celebrating with them on their highs. 
I am so with you with that. I was just speaking at a conference and I said, you know, there's room at the table for all of us. Like all of us have oh, our man. gifts and our messages. And when someone else gets something, maybe even something that we want, um, but we just need to celebrate with them and, and rejoice and just know that, you know, like she did it and God is using her. And I know she's going to be there to celebrate when God does it for me, you know, and just, uh, just lifting each other up and just finding ways that we can help each other and encourage each other. Each other is just so important. And that's why I just love interviewing people and saying, yes, go buy her book. <laughs> Let's support her. Let's cheer her on. Yeah. You know, life is, it's too short. And I always say just as women, how many thousands of years have we even wanted to be able to have a platform as beautiful as we do with this online and we have it right now and we should guard it. It should be a place where people look and say, they are different. What is different about them? And it shouldn't be a place of that competition or infighting or all that stuff. This is a space where we, for if I was to talk to women from generations before, they wouldn't believe the freedom of, of speech and expression that we have now. And so I think we've been given a great charge and a great gift by God to have this space to have a conversation. And we're light in a, in some, in a very sometimes dark place, and we should be honoring of it. And the best way to have that is for people to say they are so something different, and they're linking arms with each other and loving each other for who they are. Yeah, absolutely. I love that image so much. Linking arms together. That is great. Well, again, the book is The Brave Art of Motherhood, Fight Fear, Gain Confidence, and Find Yourself Again. So Rachel, we just tell us like where we can find more information about you and about this book. Well, I would love that. So you can find me at findingjoy.net or on Facebook, it's Finding Joy blog. We have just a fantastic community of women there uh, that support each other and love each other. And the book is at the uh, braveartofmotherhood.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I am just so encouraged by your message. And even as I'm looking through the book and listening to you, I'm like, this is my girl. Like she's saying the yeah. same things that I'm saying to you. So I just love when you find those, those people that just have the same messages. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was like I said in the beginning, I was super delighted to chat with you. And I'm, I'm kind of bummed the time went so fast because I could have hung out a lot longer. I know. Well, maybe someday I'll be in Nashville in the spring speaking. So maybe oh, we'll have we'll, to like catch coffee or something. Well, we'll make it a date, not a maybe. I say put it on the calendar in ink to moms all the time. Ink it in so then you don't erase. All right. That's there we wonderful. Go. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be on Walk It Out. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you. I just love my interview with Rachel so much. And before we started recording, her and I were chatting away and I said, wait, stop. We had to stop. I want to get this stuff recorded because it's just so good. I just love when you find someone who just thinks so much like you that you wonder, like, how could I have not known you before? And after I stopped recording, actually, her and I were like, have we met before? Because so much of our hearts of motherhood are the same. And I just love it. And I think the one thing that if you can take anything away from this podcast is just her thing about do the hard thing first. And personally, I have a little to-do list that I keep on my phone and I will sort through the things that need to be done in that day. And I will think, okay, what's the hardest thing I need to do? And when I do that first, then the rest of it seems so much easier. So think about that. What is the hard thing that I have to do and how can I just do that first and get it out of the way? Um, and so I just appreciate so much just Rachel just sharing about how God 
has just been with her, how he's been with her in her motherhood, and how he has just helped her to change her thought patterns and change feeling from the victim, the person that doesn't want to think about the bills and the challenges to someone who has changed their pattern of thinking and just knows that they can, with God's help, really change where they go and how they think and can be optimistic about their future and can step out and do things that may take courage and may take pushing aside the fear. So today's verse is John 8:32 and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I just love that in motherhood when we know the truth of who we are and God's great design and how we just impact these kids and how their lives are changed when we dare to step out and do great things for God. Um, that truth will set us free. So I just know that you will be encouraged by um, Rachel's episode. I know that you will be blessed. And um, I just pray that you will just check out her book. Also, I want to send up a prayer for all of us. Dear Lord, you know the fear and the doubts that plague our mind as mothers. And I pray that you will just help each of us find confidence and find out who we are to look back at our lives and look at the challenges, the highs and lows and discover who we are in you. And I just thank you, Lord, that you are doing that with Rachel. I pray that blessing over this book, that this message will just continue to go out, a blessing over her kids, and that you will just use it all for her glory. And for all the moms out there who need that strength, who need that courage, I just feel, I just pray that they'll feel inspired today. Well, thank you, friends, so much for tuning in to Walk It Out. As always, I'm so thankful for my wonderful publisher, David C. Cook, for sponsoring this episode of Walk It Out. And I just thank you for all um, that you're doing to support me. Thank you for spreading the this news of this podcast. Thank you for sharing it with your friends. And I pray that they will be encouraged. So be sure to continue to listen to episodes of Walk It Out. I have some wonderful guests coming up. And I just know that you will be blessed. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship, used with permission from Integrity Music.